Welcome to this inspirational teaching of Celebration Sisterhood. Hi, Sisterhood, and welcome to week two of Seeds, the Care and Keeping of Dreams. I really, really love this week's topic because I think it's one of the most difficult places to be when you are pursuing a God-given dream. And it's that place right after God kind of delivers that dream into your heart and you have a kind of vague idea of what it is and you really want to act on it and move toward it. But God puts the hold on you and says, no, now's not the time. And we see a great example of this in the life of Joseph. God gave Joseph a dream that he would one day be a ruler. And he acted on it really quickly. And some bad things came of that. He told his brothers, I'm going to, he basically told his brothers, I'm going to be the boss of all of you. And they didn't like it very much. So they threw him in a pit and sold him to the Egyptians. You know, bad things can happen when we act out of God's timing on our dreams. But God is so good and he can take all the things that the, that the enemy means for evil and turn them to good in our life, just like he did in the life of Joseph. The challenge for us and the challenge for me has been to wait on the timing of God. You know, every single seed that goes into the ground is designed and crafted to bear fruit. It was designed for that one purpose. It was designed for that one thing one thing only to reproduce. But the truth is it has to go way down into the soil to undergo a breaking process that lets the DNA that God put in that seeing spread up and spread upward and outward and become mature and strong. And that's the same thing with our dreams. God plants dreams in our hearts for one purpose, for them to grow and to mature. And today's lesson is going to help you understand, engage, and be patient in that process. I know you're going to love this message today. I know it's going to bless you. Have a great time tonight. God bless. My name is Leah Sims. I am the Sisterhood Coordinator at the Orange Park Campus, and I'm so excited to be back with you guys this morning. I have to say um, this is a powerful series that we're in. So important, this issue of purpose and destiny. But before we get started, can you help me welcome our online viewers, those who are plugging into this series uh, on the other side of that screen. We're so glad that you're joining us and sitting in this morning. You know, I would love to be able to sit with each of you. I'm so curious to know what God has stirred up in your heart over the last week since we kicked off this series about purpose. Have you been pressing in to God during your daily devo time in prayer and seeking God out about the seed of his dream for your life? I know when I, uh, we kicked off this series last week at OP, I had a, a number of ladies that came up to me after the message. A couple of them were crying. The, the Lord had just been stirring something in them. The message for them was just confirming the direction that they felt God was really pulling them. And to hear somebody tell them, hey, you have a purpose. You have a destiny. You have a specific dream that God's dreaming over you uh, was so confirming to them. But I also had a few ladies that came up to me afterwards and said, you know, I have no idea. I have no idea what God's dream for my life is. I don't know if he told me and I missed it, or maybe it's only for certain people and the rest of us sort of have to mill around and figure it out. Um, But there were quite a few people who were like, I'm still trying to figure out what that is. So if that was you when you left here last week, I want to encourage you, if there's any part of you that doubts that God has a specific plan for you, that he has a specific dream and destiny for you. I want to remind you of a few things. Ephesians 1.4 tells us that even before God formed the world, he knew us, loved us, chose us. He loved us and chose us. And then further down in 2.10, and you had this in your workbook last week, we're reminded that we are the handiwork of God. Other translations say workmanship. I love that word workmanship. We don't use that word workmanship just to describe any old work. If you were standing before Mount Rushmore, you would not marvel the work 
you would marvel the workmanship. You'd be so amazed by the creative, purposeful intent, the creative design, the forethought, the planning that it took to make that. Do you know that that's the same intent and creative purpose that God put into fashioning you? We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. So if you are not convinced that God has works that he created in advance, and when I say in advance, I mean way in advance, before the foundation of the world, he looked down the timeline of humanity and he saw you. And he fashioned a purpose and a dream specifically for you. And he has specific works that he wants us to do. And I don't know about you, but I want to be able to get to the end of my life and know that I accomplished those. That I pressed into the heart of God, into the purpose of God, and his dream over my life. And that I found out what those were, and I lived it to the fullest of my being. Amen? But I think where we struggle is figuring out what it is. What is it? God starts even from an early age. He fashions us in the womb. He turns on all of the aspects of our character. He lays his hands to the clay of our DNA. And he turns on every aspect, characteristic, and skill, and gift that it's going to take for us to fulfill that very dream he dreamed over us. And then as we grow and develop, he begins to stir us toward purpose. But sometimes we don't recognize it. We may not know that that's God speaking to us, but I can tell you there is a strong connection between who we are and what we will become. When I was 19 or 20, I can't remember the exact age, and I was in college, I spent a couple of years at the University of Florida, and I jokingly tell people that for that first year or two, I majored in sorority studies. And like most uh, students or many students in the first couple of years of college, I could not figure out what I wanted to do. Can anybody relate to that? That first couple of years where you are just banking on the fact that by the time you finish your core courses, inspiration will have struck and you'll be able to declare a major because I changed my major about every two weeks, started out pre-med and then I took calculus and decided that was not the road I wanted to take. Uh, I am not mathematically inclined uh, as I would find out uh, many times in my life, but I was struggling to figure out what I wanted to do. And at that time I was thinking of it through the lens of what I wanted to do Um, But it was also connected to what am I created to do? What what should I be doing with my life? And I came home from college one summer, and I had a friend call and say, hey, there's this great new movie out. Uh, It's a Robin Williams movie. And I was like, oh, is it a comedy? No, it's a critically acclaimed film. Really great movie. You're going to love it. It's right up your alley. Little did I know that that movie, that night, would become a defining moment for me. It was in sitting in this movie theater, I'm about to show you a clip, Uh, of this movie, that I had the first stirring in my spirit of purpose and destiny. And it was this movie that changed the definition and the direction of my life. It had me go declare my major, and I had clarity around what I was called to do for the first time in my life. Take a look. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. We don't read and write poetry because it's cute. human race is filled with passion. Oh, Captain, my Captain. It's from a poem by Walt Whitman. Now, in this class, you can either call me Mr. Keating, which is slightly more daring, or Captain, my Captain.
familiar with this movie, Dead Poets Society. Amazing, amazing movie. So many incredible messages in that movie about dreams and purpose alone. But I can tell you, when I sat in this movie theater and saw this movie, my life was changed. My life was changed. If you don't know anything about this movie, and I'll try and make it succinct, there, this is about a, a group of young men who come from affluent families who all are sent to an all-boys prep school in New England, a very conservative uh, traditional school. I think this takes place in like the 40s or 50s. Um, and they were sent there by their parents uh, to study and become doctors and lawyers and congressmen. So they were uh, put in an environment where there was a, a strong emphasis on academics and very little emphasis on free thinking and dreaming. But they have a new teacher that year, played by Robin Williams, Mr. Keating, who's a former graduate of the school, and he comes in to teach their English class that year. And he's an out-of-the-box thinker, unlike any teacher they had at the school. And he begins to teach these boys to look at life through a different lens, to dream their own dreams. He teaches them about carpe diem, seize the day. You have one life to live, one mark to make on the world, one impact that you can make. Don't live somebody else's life live yours. Don't live somebody else's dream, live yours. Powerful message in and of itself. But there's a a point in the movie where there's a a tragic outcome. I won't give it away in case you want to go see it. And they partially blame it on this teacher and his influence over these students, and they, they fire him. And they tell the students, you're not allowed to speak to him. But that scene that you saw there where all the boys are standing up on their desks is when this teacher comes back to the classroom to gather his belongings for the last time And these students who've been so utterly changed by his influence and now see the world in a different way do the only thing they can think of to tell him how grateful they are. And they stand on their desks and say, oh, captain, my captain, a quote from Walt Whitman, something that he had poured into them. And it was their way of saying, you changed the trajectory of my life. You impacted the way I think. You taught me to dream. And in that moment, that very moment, when those boys were standing on that desk, I had absolute clarity about the call of God in my life. I wouldn't have defined it as the call of God yet for many years, but I knew God was putting a seed in my hand and whispering into my heart the word teacher. I saw what influence, what impact one life can have on the many, and God pulled on my heart in that moment and said, that is what you were born to do. I did not know that was God speaking, but I was so stirred by it that I, and drawn to it that I walked out of that theater, went right back to the box office and bought another ticket and went right back in and saw it again. And then I called the next day, that was a Friday night, and Saturday morning I called my best friend and I said, you have got to come see this movie with me. It is life-changing. That's how I felt about it. She's like, all right. So we go back down and I saw the movie again the third time in less than 18 hours. And we walk out of the movie, and I said, was that not the best movie you have ever seen? And she goes, it was okay. I said, okay. She goes, yeah, it was kind of sad. You didn't tell me it was going to be sad. I said, you're missing the point. The desk, the boys standing on the desk. She goes, yeah, that was kind of cool. But I realized in that moment, God was speaking to me, to me. That was the vehicle. That was a burning bush moment in my life when God was speaking directly to my heart and calling out purpose in my life because I had absolute clarity in that moment. Of course, I wasn't walking with God then, so I took it very literally. I went down and changed my major to become an English teacher. (laughs) 
and I have a degree in secondary ed English. And I spent the first few years of my career teaching high school English. Um, But that was just the start of God's call in my life. I had no idea then that it would lead to this. But it was the first seed that God put in my hand, the very first one where he stirred that dream in me. And I guarantee you that there have been moments like that for you in your life where God has stirred something in you. It aligned with a passion. And sometimes we misinterpret our passions. Guess what? Those passions for purpose, for impact, that's God. That's God pulling and drawing out of you the very thing he created and fashioned you for. But when God puts a seed in our hand, we have to respond. My response in that moment was to take that seed and sow it into formal education. I went down on Monday morning to my guidance counselor who rolled her eyes and goes, okay, what is it now? And I said, I've got it. I know what I'm supposed to be, a teacher. I'm supposed to be a teacher. How do I get started? It added a whole nother year onto my education because I had not taken any of the liberal arts electives I needed to even get into college. So it took me five years to get that degree, but it was worth the sacrifice because from that point forward, from that very day forward through the rest of my college education, I had clarity about my life. I knew exactly what I wanted to do, and every class was a joy, and every sacrifice was a joy, and I loved school really for the first time because I was walking in purpose. It's all about that. When God puts that seed in your hand to respond But, you know, a lot of times God will put that seed in our hand. We'll do one of two things. We will rush out under our own plans and strategies and sow it in the wrong place. Or, more often than not, we doubt what we've heard. We don't even realize or understand the beautiful seed that's been placed in the palm of our hand. So we kind of tuck it in our back pocket and forget about it. Professor Keating tells these boys and Uh, shares with these boys. One of the most powerful quotes in the movie to me is from Henry David Thoreau, and you guys are probably familiar with it, but Thoreau uh, is very famous for having said, most men lead lives of quiet desperation and go to their graves with their song still in them. I could put that into our semester curriculum language and tell you that most of us lead lives of busyness and obligation and go to our graves with the seed of God's dream still clasped in the palm of our hand. What this semester is all about is getting each one of us to recognize we have a seed and that God wants us to respond. He wants us to offer that back up to him and say, Lord, what do I do with that? Where do I sow that seed? You have stirred something in me, a passion, a purpose, a call, a dream, but I don't want it to die in my back pocket. And forget that it's even been given to me. And go about my way. Because a lot of times we're so busy coveting someone else's dream or playing the comparison game or looking right to left and chasing someone else's seed that we don't realize God has given us our own. Our own. Unique to us. Right? Now we talked about last week that God's going to sow that seed in many lives. So I'm not the only one called to be a teacher. God needs many teachers in the harvest field just like he needs Uh, Many nurses, many doctors, many lawyers, politicians. Yes, I said politicians. He has a work for each of us out there in the world, in the harvest field, to make an impact. And he has uniquely fashioned you and designed you to do that very thing. So he's calling for a response. What do we do with that seed? 
And that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Father, that when you fashioned us and created us, you did so with beautiful, purposeful intent. Not just us corporately, but each of us individually. You have called us to impact. You have called us to purpose and to specific works. I pray over this semester and today, Lord, that you would deposit in us the profound truth of purpose, that we would be stirred up in our spirits to pursue it, to lay down anything, to call it into existence, and to trust you, Lord, with the process of calling it out in Jesus' name. So what do we do with that seed? You might be thinking, okay, I kind of have an inkling. The most important thing we need to be doing is sowing it, sowing it in soil, somewhere that it can grow and develop. God wants to call that out, but it has to be done in the right conditions and in the right place and in the right environment. Otherwise, it stays just as it is, a seed. And as Pastor Kerry, good morning, (laughs) beautifully uh, kicked us off this morning and told us it has to grow. It needs those right conditions to do that. Um, It will stay dormant for uh, however long, and we talked about that earlier. We don't want it to sit in the back pocket and stay that way for all of our days. We have to be prepared and willing to sow it in the right soil. So let's talk about that. What are the conditions for growth? What does it take for that seed that God's given me? What is it going to take for it to grow and for it to produce the beautiful outcome that God has ordained for me and the fruit that God wants me to bear, and more importantly, the seed that will come from that fruit, that replication, because it's really about seed and harvest and replicating that. How do we get from the seed point, the vision, the inkling of that dream to the production uh, of that fruit in our lives? So it's got to go in the right soil. We have to understand a few things about what happens to a seed in that soil. Number one in your workbook, for a seed to grow, it has to die. For a seed to grow, it has to die. And you have the scripture there um, from John uh, chapter 12. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. This is counterintuitive to the way we normally think about death. And we would say, how can something that is dead produce anything? It's dead. It can no longer be productive. But seeds are unique. And that when they are produced, they develop a very hard outer shell that puts them in a state of dormancy until they are put into the right soil and the right conditions to germinate. In fact, scientists have found seeds that were thousands of years old, that had been dormant, technically dead, for thousands of years. But when they put them in the right soil, with the right nutrients, with the right tending, they germinated and produced a produced a plant. The thing that should get our attention about that is how long that seed can stay dormant in our lives. Asleep, full of potential, everything it needs to become a tree, to become productive. But it needs the right conditions to do that. Our dreams have to go through the death of dormancy. And here's the thing. There are a lot of things that we need to die to in order for God to call out the potential in our lives. There is a a, a condition we need to place ourselves in where God uses that time in the soil to prepare us, to refine us, 
to call things out of us. And we have to be willing to die to certain things in our lives in order for that to happen. There's a lot of personal growth that we have to go through. We cannot fast track this process. God does not put the tree in our hand. He puts a seed. And he puts a seed in our hand for the reason, for the, the very reason that we need development. We need development. We look uh, at the life of Joseph, which Pastor Kerry mentioned earlier. Uh, we see Joseph at the beginning of his life. God has given him a powerful dream, a, a, a potential and call on his life that we can see at the very beginning. He's going to become someone of significance with a powerful purpose. And we know that because we see, we see the end of the story. But he did not know that, nor did the people in his life at that time. But he was young, he was brash and prideful. And he boasted about the dream that he had. And what happened to him? His brother said, that's enough of that. They took him, threw him in a pit, separated from his family. And it took Joseph a long journey to get from potential to purpose. He had to go through the dark, lonely stage of that pit, of not knowing whether he was going to get out of it. He couldn't see when someone was coming. He just knew he was in it, and God was doing a work in him. I would imagine a very humbling work in him. And how many of us need to go through that season of development with God before he can call out the beautiful and pure purpose of our lives? God is saying, there's some things we need to work on first. There's some things I need to put into you. There's some things I need to refine off of you, and there's some things you need to die to before that seed can crack open, germinate, and begin to produce the dream I'm calling out of it. You have a, a reference to Jonah at the top of your uh, workbook. Another great example. God had a powerful purpose for Jonah's life. He said no. And it took him a long journey to get back to yes. And he had to go through storms and being thrown overboard by a, a group of uh, superstitious sailors and then being swallowed by a whale, right? When he was in his dark place, in that well, God had him right there in the condition he needed him to be in to say, aha, I can finally call that out of you. You're ready to let go of everything that inhibited that call before now. When you were wanting to go your own way, you didn't want to embrace the purpose of your life or the call I had on your life, now you're ready. When Jonah cried out to God, his life changed from that point forward and purpose became reality for him. God does the same thing in each of us, but we have to be willing to be patient and submit to the process where God has us in that place. Yielded, humble, teachable, moldable, and ready. Number two, a seed cannot germinate in shallow soil. It cannot germinate in shallow soil. It's so important that when God puts that seed in our hands, we recognize where, not only where we have to sow it, but how deeply it needs to be sown. Because what happens uh, for many of us, and, and we see this here in the parable of the sower, for some of us that seed falls on the path. God stirs something in us and we totally didn't recognize it. We missed it. We don't even realize there was a seed claiming opportunity there. That's the seed that falls along the path. And sometimes the seed falls on rocky soil and we're just too distracted too focused on our own strategies, too focused on the dreams we think we're following, and we don't hear what God is saying. And that seed never gets down deep 
and never puts down roots and never becomes a reality. Or we capture it, we sow it into the soil, we get excited about it for a while, we start following that purpose, but then because it's shallow, it's not sown deep in us and deep in where, where God is trying to sow it, we give up on it. Either because other things come along and distract us, weeds come and choke it out, the weeds of life, or we get to a point where we realize how much it's going to cost, how much sacrifice, how much patience it's going to take to get to that point, and we are impatient people. We don't want to go through that, and so we abandon that, and we move on to something else. God's saying, if you would just be patient, sow it down deep, wait for me to call it out, submit to that process, yield to what I'm doing in you and through you, and I promise you that in due season, that thing will produce fruit. In due season. That phrase, in due season, we never know how long that is, that in due season. Sometimes we'd like for God to just say, can you more accurately define that for me? What is, are we talking a year, five years, ten years? And God's saying, I know the timing. Trust me for the timing. And it's not the same for every person. It's not the same. Number three, a seed needs darkness and water to germinate. This season of our development, of, of our growth in the dream, um, is a powerful season. And they can be long seasons. When we're still a seed buried in the soil of preparation, in, in what seems like a dark place, and by dark, a lot of times that just means I can't see what God is up to. I don't know that he's moving. I can't see the outcome. I can't see the fruit. And if you're like me, I'm a type A overachiever. I want to see the fruit right away. But we can't skip that development where God asks us to be patient. Even in that dark place when it feels like nothing but rain, nothing but rainy seasons or or dreariness, or I'm not experiencing yet what I thought I was going to experience. And what we don't realize is that we are in those seasons in the very place where God is feeding the dream. It is that deep soil, the nutrient of it, the constant drizzle of the water. All of that is what is calling out and developing what we are going to become. How many of us can say, if I had not been through that, I wouldn't be this, right? We know it after the fact. We can look back and go, oh, I see what you were doing there, God. But sometimes when we're in it, and I would say that the more times we go through that, the, the more patient we get <laughs> because we're used to seeing it, what God does. Being patient in those seasons, going, oh, Lord, I see what you were doing in that season. I couldn't see it then. But everything you were shaping in me and around me, everything you were walking me through during that time is what has called this out now in this season. That's that deep soil, the darkness and the rain. Number four, seeds have to push through a lot of dirt to show the first signs of growth. It's almost as though the seed knows. If I'm down deep enough and there's a whole lot of soil over me, I'm in the right conditions to begin my journey upward. It won't crack open in the shallow soil. It won't germinate there, and we talked about that. But in the down deep, it knows, I'm ready for my journey. That next phase, after germination, is a whole lot of effort and labor, of pushing dirt 
out of the way to get to a place where there is visible growth. And every one of us want to get to the place where there is visible growth, where we can see what God is doing and others can begin to see it in us. But there's that process of getting from that little sprout to the surface and pushing out a lot of dirt. How much dirt do we need to push out of our lives in order to get to that place of maturity and readiness for God's dream? There's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. And it's different for every person. It could be pride. It could be unforgiveness. A lack of spiritual maturity. A, you know, a, a, a divided devotion. Whatever that is, God wants to use that season to say, are you ready for the labor? Are you ready for the upward push? Because it's you that has to do it. God calls it out. But it's that little sprout that grows and pushes that aside and yearns and pushes and yearns for that growth to get out into the sunshine. It's work, and we have to commit to it, and sometimes we just give up. You push. If somebody were to dig that out, your seed would still be down there. It might have cracked open, but it never grew. It never grew. Are we willing to commit to the work, to the labor, to the sacrifice that God is calling us to to make that happen. Romans 5, 4, and I love this message translation. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop. Underline this, please. Passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. For whatever God will do next. How many of you can say you have passionate patience. I'm going to put my hand down so that it do not imply that I'm raising my hand because I don't always have it. But that's what it takes. That's a powerful phrase, passionate patience. How many of us are passionate about waiting on the Lord? Passionate about letting him order our footsteps. Passionate about him calling out of us at the right time, in the right season, in the right conditions? Are we passionate about that level of surrender? Are we willing to let go any control of that and yield to the zone of our purpose where God orders those footsteps? Many are the purposes of a man's heart, but what? God orders our footsteps. We love that scripture until we have to walk in it. Am I really letting God do that? Because if I am, then the zone of purpose is that gradual calling out, that upward call where God draws that dream out. And it becomes everything that he declared in the heavenlies that it would be. Can I tell you that there is nothing more fulfilling in your life than walking in that lane? There's no pursuit, no dream, no, nothing that you could chase in this life that will ever fulfill you more than fulfilling his call, his purpose. You know why? Because it was the very thing you were fashioned and created to do. So when your fashioning comes into alignment with your destiny, not only does it fulfill God, it is deeply satisfying to you. It is the zone where there are obstacles but no barriers. Walking in purpose is the place where there are challenges but no strife. You understand what I'm saying? That's the walk of purpose. 
There is peace in it and deep satisfaction. And let me tell you, there's tremendous capacity. Most of the time when we worry about capacity, it's because we're taking things on that are not connected to our purpose. And when we are walking out our purpose, our capacity for purpose is tremendous. It's amazing what you can do, what you can accomplish when you yield that capacity for God to fill. God doesn't give us capacity for us to fill it. He gives us capacity for him to fill it with purpose and dreams. And God calls that out over time. I shared with you guys last semester that my husband is a firefighter paramedic. And I want to preface this by saying I want to make sure we're clarifying and, and, and casting vision this semester that this is not just a message for those who are called to ministry. Every single person has a dream, a destiny, and a call in their life. And not all of us are called into uh, church ministry. God calls most people out into the world into impactful roles there. And that you can live and walk in destiny and purpose in those roles if that is where God has ordained for you to be. My husband, I I shared with you last semester as a firefighter, when we were dating, he was in his mid-30s and he made a huge career change. He had given his life to God, uh, began to realize that he was out of position. He had been in the restaurant industry for many years and began to seek God out about purpose. And he felt stirred to his, the depth of his soul to go into emergency medical services. And I remember when we sat down and talked about it, he goes, I think I'm too old. I said, not if God's calling you. You're not too old. And he went to fire school, and he got teased by all the 20-year-olds in class. He was the old man in the class. Um, but since he has gotten into his career, I can tell you I've had three or four opportunities to do ride-alongs uh, with him and his crew. And I am in awe of him every time I do that because it is such a powerful thing to see someone walking out and living their purpose. I remember the very first ride-along, we, we got off that shift and I said, this is what you were born to do. It was a beautiful thing to see it in him. And it, it, it's what can be true for any of us, not just those called into ministry. I see that uh, call on my husband's life and him walking in and out, and he will tell you it is not only his vocation, it's his avocation. It is his job and his calling. He is in a beautiful place of work and ministry. Can't tell you how many people he's been able to pray with in the last moments of their life, on the side of the road, in the back of the ambulance. He knows he is in alignment with his assignment. No strife in it. No burnout. He bounds out of bed every day to go to work. He loves it. It is what he was born to do. And every one of us have the ability to walk that out. But it requires us getting into the presence of God, letting him stir that dream and put that seed, and then to respond. Not to tuck it in our back pocket and walk away, or to jump ahead with our own strategies, but to seek God about where to sow it. For some, that is going to be training and formal education and things that shape the skills and abilities to do that. It's also spiritual development. It's the right mentoring. It's positioning yourself around the right role models in that industry where you are. There's so many things that God wants to do with us in that season of preparation when we're in the soil and we're getting ready for that dream to emerge. So I would encourage you over these coming days to really be thinking about that. Where is my seed? What am I doing with it? So powerful. I tell you, every one of us, when we stand before God at the end of our lives, when I'm before my heavenly Father, and the works of my life are brought to the threshing floor, 
I want the Lord to look at those works as he's sifting through them and saying, yep, done, done, done. Ephesians 2.10, works he prepared in advance for us to do. I want to know that when I get there, I've done those. And then when God says, well, done, done means finished, accomplished. Accomplished the work set before us. And not only to have done them, but to do them well. To do them well with every passion in you to run that race that's set before us and to accomplish the very purpose of God in our lives. Amen? So as we pray out, and I encourage you to bow your heads and close your eyes, I want you to think about that. Where is my seed right now? What dream has God stirred in my heart? And I don't care where you are, what season of life, how old you are, what level of education, how busy you are. It is never too late to press into God about purpose, to begin realigning under that call and under that dream, and to dance joyfully toward it. Lord, I pray over these coming days, Father, that there would be a deposition of vision in the heart of every woman in this room, that you would begin to stir in each of us beautiful purpose. Lord, I pray for clarity and for direction in these coming days about what to do with what you're stirring in us, where to take it, where to position it, what soil it needs to be sown in, and that we would each have the courage to keep it there, to surrender to the process joyfully, Lord, to know that you are going to call out of us the very thing that you declared in the heavenlies before you even formed the earth. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for Jesus, that because of him we have relationship with you, that we can come to you and seek out presence, and you are faithful to share it. And that you continue to sow that into us. We're not left to flounder and figure it out on our own. Lord, we thank you for this ministry and this message and the work you are doing in the lives of each woman in this room, in this church, and in the body of Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, ladies. We're now going to move to our table time, so I hope you will dig in on this. If you've joined us online, thank you so much for being with us. We hope you're digging in on purpose as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Celebration Sisterhood. We hope this message has been an inspiration and opened your heart to embracing all that God has for you.